Well, good morning, church. Morning. <laughs> Great to see each one of you. I'm so glad to see each one of you here this morning. And may God just bless you for pulling back the covers and saying, I'm going to go and be in God's house today. May God bless you for that. Great to have you here. Please take a moment to find on the back side of your worship flyer uh, the little notes outlined for the message today. And if you have a basket of pins underneath your chair in the aisle, uh, you can kind of just pass those pins to those near you, and they can fill in the blanks as we go along. And if you have your Bible with you today, go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Be there in just a moment. Well, it's great to see so many of you. This is our third service today, and uh, we've just had a great time together. And uh, I believe that God is going to speak to our hearts today. This Easter, I wanted to begin with a a little quiz, kind of like we're going back to school, a little quiz this morning. It's going to call for some personal honesty as, as we get started here this morning. So how many of you would admit that sometime in your life you have locked yourself out of your car? Can I see some hands? All right. How many of you admit that you locked yourself out of your house? You had to scale up the patio to get in a bedroom window. All right. Good, good, good. Now, how many of you would really admit that you've gotten so lost at some time in your life? This is going to be hard for men to admit. You've gotten so lost at some time in your life that you had to stop and ask for directions. All right? The rest of you men are dirty, rotten liars. <laughs> How many of you would admit that you've gotten in such a mess that you, could, you thought, I'll never get out of this mess? Can I see some hands? <laughs> I've been there, yeah. How many of you would admit this morning that you've taken a class in school and you thought there's no way I'm going to pass this class unless this teacher gives me tons of grace, tons of mercy? Double hands? <laughs> Man, we've all kind of been there. Now, how many of you would admit this morning that, that there's been a time in your life that If it wasn't for the fire department coming and rescuing you, you would have been in big, big trouble. All right? You've had the fire department coming. Okay, I have. My sand rail went up in flames, okay? Had to call the fire department. How many of you would admit this morning that there was a time in your life when you really needed a police officer to come and help you? All right. Yeah. Come, come, Come to your aid. How many would you say there was a time in my life when I needed a lifeguard? I was going down. Anybody? All right, some of you, okay, great. Now, how many of you would say, there's time in my life when I needed a doctor, a nurse, a paramedic, somebody with professional skills, somebody with training to rescue me? Anybody? Can I see some hands? Yeah, absolutely. There are times in our lives when we need people that have been professionally trained with high skill levels to rush to our aid and give us the rescue that we need. And we are so thankful for all of these people who have those kinds of trainings and abilities. But here, one more. Here's the ultimate test of honesty this morning. How many of you would admit that at some time in your life you have gotten stuck in the stall of a public bathroom with no toilet paper? (laughs) Come on, come on. Me, Philippines... Philippines, me, yeah, there. I'm not going to finish the story. But but in every one of those cases, you needed to be rescued. You needed somebody to come to your aid. Now, a great rescue is usually the theme of all great movies. It doesn't matter if it's Saving Private Ryan 
Apollo 13, Armageddon, or the latest Mission Impossible. A great rescue is usually the theme of a great movie. And even those disaster movies are usually rescue movies. Because whether it's an asteroid that hits, a tsunami wave that hits, an earthquake that shakes, or the outbreak of some virus that causes this disaster, somebody's got to come. Somebody's got to come rescue the survivors. In fact, the highest grossing movies of all time, Titanic, Avatar, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. Those are the four highest grossing movies in all history. And they're all about being rescued. But listen, this morning I want to tell you, if you want to read some really good rescue stories, just open this book. Just open the Bible. The Bible is full of one rescue story after another. Because ever since Adam and Eve messed up, God has been bailing us out again and again and again. And so the Bible is a story of the rescue of Abraham, the rescue of Jonah, the rescue of Gideon, the rescue of Jacob, the rescue of Noah and Joseph and the nation of Israel again and again and again. It's one rescue story after another. But the greatest rescue story ever is what we're celebrating right here this morning. That's Easter. Amen? Easter. Because Easter is the story of God reaching down to earth. God actually coming down to earth in the form of Jesus Christ to rescue every one of us. Now, when you read about somebody like Superman coming to earth to save the day, remember? You know it's just a myth. But when you read about Jesus coming to save every human being, that is the real deal. Because Jesus actually did come to earth. And when he came to earth, he actually did split history into A.D. and B.C. In fact, we date everything that's happened in history as happening before his rescue mission or after his rescue mission. And you might be saying, well, 2012 years from what? When, when, what does that mean? Well, every time you write the date 2012 on a check or on some document, you're referring to Jesus Christ. You're referring to that time when God the Father sent Jesus on a rescue mission to seek and save all of humanity. In fact, your very own birth date is dated in relationship to Jesus Christ. Your birth date is so many years, months, and days after the rescue mission of Jesus Christ. Now, when you read the Bible, it uses all kinds of rescue terms that God uses to describe what he wanted to come do for us. God uses terms like he came to save us. He came to redeem us. He came to rescue, deliver. He came to set us free. He came to redeem us. And all of those terms have to do with God's rescue plan for you and me. In fact, the Bible says this, and it's our key text today. There is only one God, and Jesus Christ is the only one, look at this, who can bring us to God. Jesus became truly human, and he gave himself to what? To rescue all of us. Jesus didn't come for just a few of us. The Bible says he came for all of us, every single one of us. 
And the Bible says Jesus Christ rescues us by offering himself as a sacrifice for our sins. God's plan is that we all experience that rescue, the rescue from our sins. But what did Jesus come to rescue us from? Got a couple days? He came to rescue you and me from tons of things. And you you might be saying, well, I thought he came to just rescue me from my sins so that I could miss hell and I could make it into heaven. Yeah, that's the big one. That's the big one. But Jesus came for far much more than that. If you read the Bible, and if you just look at the book of Psalms in the Bible, mainly written by David, the word rescue is used over 150 times. Look at your outline. The question is, what can Jesus rescue you from? Look at what the outline says. It says, the stresses of life. Anybody want to get rescued from that? Some of the stresses of life? He came to rescue you and me from the attacks of others. People can get really mean at times. A guilty conscience over our sin, our actions. Overwhelming problems, the fear of death. He came to rescue you and me from the judgment of hell. Financial distress, the prison of addictions, things that you're just stuck and you can't get free. A life without purpose. People who cause trouble, worry and depression, traps you don't see and you fall into. You go home and you read those scriptures today and those are God's promises that he will rescue you from those things. The bottom line is this, you have no problem that God is not interested in. There's not one problem in your life that God will not help you with. There's not a problem in your life that God will not rescue you from. And maybe you can identify with this next verse. David says, my problems keep multiplying. Anybody want to be really honest? (laughs) My problems keep multiplying, going from bad to worse. I need you, God, to rescue me from them all. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to be rescued from some problem or maybe even your sins. Maybe you've never given yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, forgive me my sins, come live in my heart. You might be here and you might say, I need to be rescued. And believe me, if we didn't need to be rescued, God the Father never would have sent Jesus to be our rescuer. If we didn't need to be rescued and saved, the Father would have never sent us a Savior. He would never have allowed his own son, Jesus Christ, to go through the pain of the cross. To die with real human flesh and go through the pain of the cross if you didn't need to be rescued. So the starting point is to understand this. There are things that you need to be rescued from. And those things include not only your sins. Maybe you also need to be rescued from some financial hole. That you just can't seem to climb out of. You're you're trapped. Maybe it's an emotional hole. and, And you just can't seem to get on top of your emotions. You're stuck. Most days you're depressed. Maybe it's a relationship hole. You you try and you try, but you can't seem to fix that relationship. Maybe you're stuck in a physical hole and, and you can't find a solution for something you're dealing with physically. Maybe you're in a career hole. You you can't seem to get out and you get noticed by employers. 
This morning, maybe you need to be rescued from something. And David says about our God, you, Lord, are ready to rescue everyone who worships you. And all of God's people said about that, amen. Amen. Our God not, not only rescues you, but he loves you. And he is ready and willing to rescue you if you will turn your life to him and worship him. Amen? This Easter, I want to tell you a story. I think the most dramatic rescue story in our lifetime. The rescue took place in 2010 in the country of Chile. A mine exploded and collapsed on 33 miners. Remember that? 33 miners. Trapped 2,000 feet below the surface. 69 days. 2,000 feet under the surface of the ground. During the very first 17 days, no communication. Nobody knew if they were dead or alive. The world watched on. We watched the rescue attempt as rescuers from around the globe came to seek and save those 33 miners. Newscasters around the world broadcast the news of this collapsed mine. There appeared to be no hope for anyone. Families gathered. Families waited. No news. 17 days, not a word. Some of the families formed what they called Camp Hope, a place of prayer around the clock where they waited and prayed and and pled with God. Finally, a drill broke through to the miner's location. But how many of the 33 had survived? Then, through that small drill shaft, they sent up a note that said, We are all well. We are 33. But it took another 52 days, nearly two months before all 33 were brought to the surface one by one and rescued. Watch this. His capsule appearing now. This is Jose Enriquez, 54-year-old drill master, evangelical preacher. The man, we're told, who's been keeping spirits up down the mine, worked in the mines for 33 years, just on the surface, the 24th of the 33 trap men. Big, big, broad smile and celebrations with number 24, Jose Enriquez, an evangelical preacher. Just took eight minutes or so for the capsule to bring him to the surface, maybe nine minutes, really speeding things up here. This really stands now as one of the most elaborate rescues ever attempted and largely, of course, so far accomplished. This just has never been tried before, certainly never accomplished before. And the whole rescue operation, we're told, could be over within six hours now. All 33 miners are expected to be brought, the sur- brought to the surface by then. Well, these, these extraordinary close-up images of the raw emotion that these people are going through. And always you have these beaming smiles around them as well. What a celebration.
Everybody say wow with me. <laughs> wow. 69 days, 2,000 feet below the ground. And that was the story of their physical rescue. But the untold story that the world has really never heard is about the spiritual rescue that took place in the hearts and lives of those 33 men in those 69 days. That guy, Jose Enriquez, a miner and a pastor for the past 30 years, was one of those men in the mine. And although God had allowed him to become trapped with the rest of those men, God used him to help them get rescued spiritually. Early in their ordeal, the miners came and asked Jose to lead them in prayer. So every day at noon, they gathered, they shared their hearts, and Jose led them in prayer. Then finally, a bigger drill broke through into their exact location. And the first thing that the miners asked for were Bibles. That was their first request. So down through that drill shaft, they, they sent some food and some medicine and the Bibles. And they began to study God's word day after day, led by Jose. And then there came a day when Jose led 22 of those men to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And they allowed Jesus to rescue them from their sins. Now listen, you're probably never going to get trapped in a collapsed mine. But you are going to find yourself in some low spots in life. You are going to find yourself trapped in some pits in life. Maybe a financial pit. A relationship pit. Maybe, maybe some physical thing. Or a vocational pit. But you are going to find yourself in some low, dark places. So how do you let Jesus rescue you from what seems to be unsolvable? What seems to be dark? The pits of your life. How can you let Jesus rescue you? You do what the miners did. Write this down on your outline. You admit, first of all, that you need a rescue. You need a rescue. You see, God's not going to come to your aid until you admit to him that you need to be rescued. God does not rescue people who say, I don't need you. I don't need to be rescued. God doesn't save people who don't think they need to be saved. And so, first of all, write this down. You need to admit that you are in trouble. God, I am stuck. I'm in trouble. I need you. David said it this way. I'm in deep trouble, Lord. Rush to my aid, for only you can help and save me. David also said, God, I'm in a mess. I am nothing. I have nothing. Maybe you have nothing left. Make something of me. You can do it. You've got what it takes, God. David writes in Psalm 18, you rescue those who are humble. God does not rescue the proud. Those who think, I don't need God. I don't need a rescue. But let me ask you this. What if the miners had said when that drill broke through to rescue them, we don't need you. We've kind of come to like it down here. We're kind of used to the dark now. We don't have to pay taxes down here. We don't have to listen to our voicemail. We don't have to sort through junk mail. We don't have to, to read our texts. We don't even have to shave. It's so dark we can't see each other. I think we'll just stay down here. Now, if they would have said that, we'd say, that's nonsense. 
Being in a really dark pit, but choosing to stay there, even though the rescuer was willing and ready to rescue us. But I watch people do that all the time. They know, they know, they know they're in a dark place. A bad place. A pit. But they refuse to be rescued. But you can start your rescue attempt today by simply saying, God, I admit that I need a rescue. I admit that I'm trouble. And next, write this down. And when you admit that you can't save yourself. God, I'm in trouble. I admit it. And I can't save myself. That's the next thing that the miners did. David says it this way. I stand silently before the Lord. Waiting for you, God, to rescue me. For salvation comes from where? From you alone, God. From God alone. Folks, the only way you're going to ever experience salvation from your sin or experience any kind of other rescue is to admit to God that you can't save yourself and you need His help. God opposes the proud, the Bible says. But He comes to the humble. There are things in life that you just can't change on your own power. There are things in life that only God, by His almighty power, can change. David says there's no such thing as a self-rescue. Pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. The cost of rescue is beyond our means. If those miners would have had to pay for the rescue, they'd still be in the mine. It costs tens of millions of dollars. But the good news is this. We don't have to buy our salvation. We don't have to buy forgiveness from our sins. That cost for that rescue is way beyond our means. We can't buy it. The cost is too great. But the good news is this. Jesus has already paid for our rescue. On the cross, he stretched out his hands and he said, I love you this much. I love you with all of my heart. And then Jesus with his perfect, sinless life paid with his body and his blood for your rescue. For your ticket to heaven. And yes he was God. Come in the flesh. But he had flesh like you and me. That hurts when nails go through it. And he said I love you this much. I've come to save you. But what if those miners had said. We hear them drilling 2,000 feet above us. We appreciate their efforts. But we really don't need them. We can get out of this dark hole. All by ourselves. We just opened our lunch boxes. And we've got our teaspoons. We can dig out. We can get ourselves out of this hole. We'd call that nonsense. But I watch people try to do that all the time. I don't need Jesus. I don't need God. I can get to heaven on my own. I'm going to serve the homeless. I'm going to serve the hungry. I'm going to do a whole bunch of good things, live a pretty good life. I'm going to get there on my own. But if you say that, who do you think you really are? Because our spiritual condition is far worse than the physical condition of the miners. They were so lost, so buried, so deep. And there's no way you can dig your way out of your sinful condition. 
And that's because the Bible teaches that heaven is perfect and we're not. And God does not let imperfect people into his heaven. So the only way to get to heaven is to let perfect Jesus pay the penalty for our sins with his perfect life. And then to let Jesus present us to his father as his passionate followers who has been forgiven and purified of our sins by accepting him and his sacrifice on the cross to cleanse us from all of our sins. You can't save yourself. I can't save myself. Jesus can't save you, though, as long as you're trying to save yourself. As long as you're saying, I can dig myself out of this hole. I can make myself right with God. Really? I can earn my way to heaven. Really? No, you can't. To let Jesus rescue you, you need to admit you need a rescue. Humble yourself and admit, I am in trouble. If God were to come today, I would not be going his way. I'm in trouble. Secondly, call on Jesus to rescue you. Admit you need a rescue, then call on him. Ask Jesus, the one sent to rescue you, to save you. And what I want to share with you this morning is this. Literally, call on the name of Jesus. When you call on him, call on the name of Jesus to save you. The Bible says, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus says. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Can't go through Buddha. Can't through, go through Muhammad. Jesus says, it's through me. The Bible teaches there's no other name under heaven by which man can be saved, rescued. And God the Father says, when you call on me, I will answer. I will be with you in your trouble and I will rescue you. That's God's promise. I will be with you. I will rescue you from all your troubles. And the Bible says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So God is simply saying to us on this Easter Sunday, you do your part, I'll do my part. You call on me and I will save you. Amen? You call, I'll rescue. And you say, that's it? Pastor, that's it? Yep, that's it. Don't I need to join the church? Don't I need to get baptized? Don't I have to live a perfect life and never mess up again? No. There are some things that should follow your rescue. But when it comes to the initial rescue, the forgiveness of your sins, Jesus Christ coming into your heart as Savior and Lord, nope, that's it. You call upon his name. Here's the point that you need to understand. The rescuer in any rescue situation gets to determine the method and the means of your rescue. Not the victim. The Savior gets to determine how you're saved. Can you imagine the miner saying, that capsule, it looks like somebody just threw it together in a hurry. Pretty small, I'm claustrophobic, shaky, scary. I don't want to be saved that way. Send a note up the drill shaft to say, can we be saved another way? <laughs> and the rescuers would have said, no. 
You either stay in the pit or you submit to this method of salvation. Jesus says, I am the way. Amen? I am the way. No one comes to the Father but by me. You either accept God's way of saving you or you don't get to be saved. It's like when you want to call home. There's only one number on your speed dial that you can push that will actually dial into home. And there's only one name that you can dial to get into God's heaven, and that's Jesus. So to be saved, you call on the name of Jesus, and then you commit your life to him. The miners had to come to a place where they were willing to commit their lives into the hands of the rescuers above. David says, I commit my spirit into your hands. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. Commit to God and depend on Him for your rescue. Now, those miners had to not only commit to that little capsule, the method of their rescue, but they also had to commit their lives into the hands of the rescuers above who were controlling that capsule. It was a matter of trusting the rescuers. To let Jesus rescue you, humble yourself, admit that you need a rescue, call on the name of Jesus, commit your life to him, and then, write this down, trust Jesus to do the rescue. Trust Jesus. You've got to trust him. You've got to trust Jesus is on the other end doing everything he needs to do to rescue you from your sins and to rescue you from this world. You know, the picture of these miners is really a picture of Easter because Easter is all about going from death to life, from darkness to light. That's what it's all about. And the miners were buried in the ground. For all intents and purposes, they were dead. It seemed hopeless. But a rescuer does what a person in a dark pit can't do for himself. The rescuer seeks for that person. The rescuer provides a way out for that person. And that person in that dark pit puts his trust in that rescuer and what he can provide. And I want to say to you this morning, when you put your trust in Jesus, you are raised up from the dark pit of your sins, past, present, future. You are raised up and you are given a new life. That's what Easter is all about. God says it this way, trust in me in your times of trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. You'll be so excited about the rescue that God has done in your life that you will give God glory and honor and praise. God says, if you love me and truly know who I am, I will rescue you and keep you safe. Everybody say rescue. Rescue. That's what God wants to do in your life today. As I close, I want to I say this to you. I know that some of you are in need of some kind of rescue. It might be some kind of dark pit, financial, emotional, physical, whatever it might be. And Almighty God is able to rescue you. Put your trust in Him. But I also want to say to you, today is the day of salvation. That's what God's Word says. Today is the day of being saved and rescued from our sins. But I want you to know it will not always be that day. The Bible says that Jesus is coming again. And the next time that Jesus comes, he says he's going to take his bride, the church, with him to heaven. 
that we are going to meet him in the air and we're going to be transformed to be like Jesus Christ in the twinkling of an eye. And I want to say to you, today is the day of salvation, but on that day it'll be too late. And the Bible says he's going to come like a thief in the night. We're not going to know the day, the time, or the hour. And if you wait until Jesus comes, it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late to fall on your knees and say, rescue, it's all over. You won't have time to get it out of your lips. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation, but it won't always be that day. And you don't know when the day of salvation is going to end. You don't know. I don't know. The Bible says no man knows the day, the time, or the hour. Only the Father. And so before you leave this place, I want to encourage you to let Jesus Christ rescue you from your sins, to become your Savior, your Lord, if you've never done that. When you say, well, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. Well, have you been really living for him? Have you really been living according to his word? Have you really been pleasing God? Has it just been a religious thing? Or do you really have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Let today be your day of salvation. And the next time you you write 2012 on a check or something else, you can say that was the day, that was the year, that's the time when I was rescued from all my sins. Amen? Would you bow with me for prayer? To let Jesus rescue you, admit that you need a rescue, humble yourself, call on Jesus to rescue, and trust him to save you from all your sins. If you'd like to do that this morning, if you'd like to be rescued from anything and start the journey towards getting out of something emotional, physical, financial, whatever it is, pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it. And if you want Jesus to forgive you of all your sins and, and rescue you so that you can know that if Jesus was to come today, you would go right with him to Father's heaven. Pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it. It goes like this. Father God, I need to be rescued. I admit that I need you in my life. I admit that I can't save myself. So, Jesus, I'm calling on your name to save me. Forgive my sins. Come into my life and rescue me. I commit my whole life to you. And I trust you to get me to heaven. And I trust that you will keep me until I meet you there. And in the meantime, I ask that you rescue me from all of the dark pits that I find myself in. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. And all of God's people said, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to be bold. When Jesus went to the cross for you and me, he was bold. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, whether you're coming back to him and recommitting to him, or you prayed that for the very first time, just be bold. Lift your hand. Say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. All right? Amen. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. Let's just praise him. Will you help me do that? Amen. Here we go.